So we went and saw separately, not together, the new Star Wars movie, Solo, a Star Wars story, or how, how are they calling these things nowadays? It is Solo, colon, a Star Wars story. Is there actually a colon? I believe, I believe that is the correct title. Okay. All right. So colon, eh, so, so, Solo, <laughs> colon, a Star Wars story. Yes. Um, and neither of us have talked to each other about this movie at all yet. Um, nope. Funny thing, I actually, uh, I have seen this twice, and I have incidentally seen Deadpool twice as well. Like, yesterday did a double feature with the family, which I was unaware that I was participating in until I just got a text saying, like, hey, got the tickets. So Nice. <laughs> yeah, so yesterday, literally, I feel like my whole day was just spent at the movie theaters, because we saw Solo again, and then... Uh, ate ate dinner and then went and saw Deadpool two right after that. So it's not a bad day. Yeah. So it's fresh in my mind and I've seen it twice. Nice. Yeah. I have not yet seen it twice. I saw it uh, last night with my wife. Okay. And so haven't gotten a chance yet to uh, re-examine everything. Right. Right. So what is your? Uh, I guess we'll just do what we always do and kind of start off with like, what are your initial impressions? I loved this movie way more than I was expecting to. Mm-hmm. Going into this, I. I've kind of went flopped back and forth between being kind of like almost not excited, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing for me to say about Star Wars, because as we've discussed in our previous podcast, I'm a giant Star Wars fan, right? Uh, at least the movies themselves. And it was kind of like somebody else playing Han Solo other than Harrison Ford and seeing a bunch of characters that we already know instead of giving something new and fresh was something I wasn't really excited about. Mm-hmm. And... I I mean, I just absolutely loved it. And I have almost no criticisms, weirdly, of this movie, probably because I've only seen it once, mm-hmm. but still, uh, except for one very strong glaring one, which we'll talk about in a minute. Okay. And now I really want to know what you thought. <laughs> so I really enjoyed this, too. The first time I saw it, I, I really liked it. I was thinking, like, there's something off about it, but I was, like, in the back of my mind thinking, like, I like the, I like that it, that whatever's off about it exists because it was one of those deals where, like, I feel like this is one of the first ones that sort of stepped, that re, like, Rogue One did a good job at breaking genre and expectations and showing, like, this is what a Star Wars movie can be other. And so this, to me, was another example of that, of this is what a Star Wars movie can be in a different sort of genre. While still feeling totally Star Wars. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, the yeah. second time I watched it, knowing all the beats and everything. And that, by the way, I, it sounds like I didn't like it. The first, that's not what I'm saying at all. I really liked it the first time through. And the second time through, knowing everything that was coming, I could sit and appreciate it for, like, what it was. And, like, I liked it even more the second time, even though I liked it the first time. So there's a lot to, like, dig un, uh, dig out of that. And so I guess we can jump in. Yeah, and let's let's go ahead and do the uh, kind of go through the plot line of the movie, trying to keep it a little, little quicker maybe than our last Star Wars episode went. <laughs> yeah. So it essentially starts out, again, they, they, they divert from the opening crawl, which is... Yes, that was very interesting the way they did that. They just extended the a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away mm-hmm. thing. They used that same text and kind of faded it the same way. Right. I liked that. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't Rogue One do something similar, or did or did Rogue One just did the galaxy far, far away, and then just went boom, and then dropped you? Yeah, Rogue One just went like, Wong. and it you know, yeah, it it just totally skipped out on the right. the whole opening crawl or anything like that. Yeah, so so yeah, so it it gives you a little bit of text, um, you know, basically saying like it's it's giving you the uh, the plot device of like everyone's after this hyperfuel stuff. And so, yeah, I feel like they could have just skipped over that and it wouldn't have made any difference. No, it, did, it like, didn't need a description. It didn't really matter. But yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. Why but it was kind of a neat thing. Yeah. And then when it jumps into the movie, we kind of get a very sort of different looking Star Wars logo mm-hmm. where it like f- it's flying through a scene and then we see like flickers. the Star Wars logo in the scene kind of flickering on. Right. And again, for some reason, I really liked that. Yeah, like, because it was different. to me, like the opening stuff, both with like the colors, which I felt like the opening was a lot of gray and purples. At least that's what I vaguely remember. The opening meaning the opening like scenes generally. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was a very dark environment. Yeah. So when you open up on that planet, it it they they are immediately like Star Wars has always been a lived in universe, but it sort of immediately 
I, I guess, gives you the feeling of, like, this is, like, you know, the gritty underworld. Not, not, not like, gritty in a sense that it's, like, everyone's dying left and right sort of thing. But, like, it's letting you know, like, this is a different part of the universe. Yeah, it was dirty, grimy. Yeah, but it felt, yeah, uh, I thought it was great. Yes, absolutely. It had almost a little bit of a uh, Blade Runner-y feel, too. Yeah. <laughs> with, like, the deep uh, blues and purples and stuff. But it was it was very very dark, definitely. Yeah, I, I like like for instance things that um, it's like I, I saw someone say like this is the most beautiful Star Wars movie, which I feel like that's said after every single new one comes out. And I will say this: I don't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but I will say it is, but in its own way. I I would argue that it is the most beautiful Star Wars movie. See, like I think whenever I think of like the Last Jedi, it's everything in it is like steady shots and and pans and everything shiny and glittering a lot of the time and then whenever i think of this movie there was a lot of like handheld feeling sort of scenes and stuff which again mm-hmm. was not a crit- it's not a criticism because it like fits the you know the sort of tone that they're going for like like with like the battle sequence and all that sort of stuff and like it worked really well for what it was doing i'm just saying like it is one of the it is like a really beautiful movie but like in its own way if that makes sense i feel like the biggest thing with this movie was the uh, lighting and the coloring okay like it and this is a bradford young that cinematographer this is kind of a thing like he did with arrival he also did like selma and a couple other movies mm-hmm. uh sort of like this where it's like it's really like crunched so you don't have a whole lot of dynamics and so a lot of this movie like if you're indoors the windows are just completely blown out mm. which ryan johnson did in the last jedi like at the very end when they were on crate when they were inside the windows were blown out like that and yeah. it was kind of a cool look but this was a very consistent look and feel across this whole movie where everything's really crunched and the lighting is just extremely atmospheric like heavy spielbergian fog everywhere mm-hmm. and so everything just had this it was just oozing with like atmosphere everywhere everything felt like lived in and real yeah yeah and i would agree with that part of that's the set design too but but a, a lot of it really just felt incredibly well constructed from a lighting and coloring angle and then the end had a lot of yellows and was very like good bad and the ugly <laughs> yes oh yeah yeah we'll get into that yeah so anyways uh so yeah so you open up and han solo has like stolen a car or han at the time has stolen a car or vehicle we get ourselves a little car chase which was excellent yeah i loved the the way that the those cars like felt Yes. It was, I don't know, there was just something about it. From the very beginning, I felt like I was just in for the ride on this movie, more than any other Star Wars movie where I'm mm-hmm. a little more like, does this feel right? This one just felt, immediately felt correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so he goes and I guess he's going to see, uh, what What was the person, the gangster's name, like Proxima, something like that? Uh, it was, let's see, I have. I actually have all the characters written down this time. Uh, <laughs> it was Lady Proxima, yes. which okay. is that like millipede thing. Right. And as soon as I saw that, I knew my wife was going to be happy because one of her critiques of The Last Jedi and even uh, all of the kind of newer ones mm-hmm. is that it felt like it was, these movies have been a little lighter on the like alien yeah. side of things. Right. And... From the uh, right out of the gate on this one, it felt like we just kept getting introduced to new weird aliens. Yeah, had it had like a lot fun, of fun, weird rules. Mm-hmm. You know, like this one that you found out that it it couldn't, it didn't like the light. Right, and it was just yeah, it was just really cool. Yeah, what did you think? So I I, I realized watching this the second time, I was like, I wonder if like you you haven't seen a movie with um, Amelia Clark in it, have you? The girl? No, she's from okay. Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, how did you like her? Because I'm very used to her, and so I just sort of automatically like her because she's charming on Game of Thrones, and um, even she's been in a couple other things that, like, she was in um, that uh, awful uh, Terminator sequel that uh, it wasn't necessarily bad, but never wanted to watch it again. But she was fine in it as Sarah Connor, and she did good like oh, okay. that. Um, so, like, I- I'm already kind of used to her, and I really like her because. I think she's a charming actor, but I didn't know what you thought of her at all. Yeah, I thought she was good. I thought she did a really good job um, conveying both, like, the friendship angle with Han Mm -hmm. while also, you know, you could see behind her eyes that, like, while she, the obvious thing is that it's like she's trapped, Mm -hmm. you could kind of tell 
and I felt like it worked really well where it was kind of like, well, she's not really trapped as much as she has owned this new world that she lives in mm-hmm. and like she's embarrassed by it. And I, yeah, I, th- I thought she did a really good job. And what about what about the actor playing Han Solo? Like I was immediately okay with him. Like I was glad that he he wasn't trying. I didn't feel like he was trying to be Harrison Ford. And uh, like I actually like it did take a few minutes to get used to him as Han Solo. But when you realize like this is kind of a stage where he isn't in this stuff yet. And so he's not as confident um, like the one thing I think that he did well personally was like he did like the smirks and some of the smiles really well. I thought he was incredible. I yeah, like he was the thing I was the most concerned about going into this movie. Yeah, I think everybody. and almost <laughs> immediately I was like. Honestly, what it made me think of is the opening to uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, mm-hmm. where we see young Indiana Jones, and like somehow that just feels like that is Indiana Jones, even though it's a different actor, and yeah. he's not mimicking Harrison Ford. And that's what I felt about him. Like I feel like there was random things that he would do that I'd be like, oh, that was like a nice little nod to a Harrison Ford-ism. Yeah. You know, he did a lot of pointing, and he had some of those smirks and stuff. Yeah. But the main thing was his sort of like tone. Like, I don't know. It it reminded me of the way that people critique the two different performances of Steve Jobs in the last couple of years. Oh yeah. Like Ashton Kutcher did a Steve Jobs that most people argued looked more like Steve Jobs and like was a better mimicking of Steve Jobs. Right. But like there was some there was something about it that lacked that like, I don't know, feel of Steve Jobs. And then mm-hmm. um, Michael Fassbender did him in the, the newer one that they did. Right. And he didn't look like him. And he didn't have, like, the gait and all these, like, weird little mannerisms down the same way that Ashton Kutcher did. But somehow he captured that feel of Steve Jobs in a much more interesting, better light. Yeah. And that's what I felt about how his name is Alden Eirich? Iron right, right. I don't know how you say his name. That kid, I feel like he felt like Han Solo very very quickly for me. Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't like you know it's a different actor, but I feel like I wouldn't be too jarring going from that to watching the old Star Wars. Like if you were yes. watching them sequentially. And obviously, which we'll get to later, they probably are going to do a couple more and I I feel like I wouldn't have a problem like watching this, let's say trilogy and then moving on to Yeah, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit yeah. later here, but <laughs> but uh the other thing that I feel like really played into it was Han and Chewie's like bromance i guess it's not really a bromance but chemistry i feel like just ridiculously quickly settled in for me yeah it worked really well it felt like it was i think that really helped a lot too yeah yeah because that like created a continuity with the character see i i thought about like the difference with this being like captain kirk like between shatner and then the remakes ah that makes sense i i'm not as familiar with the original star trek is used well i'm not super familiar but i've seen enough of the movies and a couple of the episodes but um like because you know shatner was obviously this iconic character and this new person came in and didn't completely mimic him like kirk would talk like this you know you know like all the exactly right but everybody was like okay they were like yeah that's captain kirk he captured the character exactly not the actor right right yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I I was okay with that. And so he's basically uh, he's gotten some sort of hyperfuel that him and his girlfriend are going to get off the planet with, and he decides that he's going to hide that and then go to Lady Proxima and tell him tell her that the that the job was botched and kind of pull a half baked like yeah the, the the thermal detonator thing was funny <laughs> it was a fun callback and a fun moment all in its own yeah, he, right. he, i i really like, like he that. like he just clicks with his mouth and i actually didn't realize that the first time and then she says that and then the second time i watched it i was like looking for it, and i was like yeah he totally did like yeah he convinced me <laughs> so <laughs> yeah and so that's when he breaks the window and kind of shows that like okay these creatures like don't like the sun <laughs> Yeah, they're basically vampires. And we get a nice little uh, speeder chase. Yeah, which, which was really cool. Just the way that those handled was just really fun. Yeah. like And Ron Howard, I'm assuming, probably, I don't, I'm just going to attribute it to him because the news is that 75% of this movie is him. But, but like, they did really good. Like, I remember there was a scene, like, in that chase where they're, like, weaving in. It's, like, after they get across the bridge 
then there's like that marketplace area or whatever you would want to call it in the spaceport and they're like weaving all through the stuff and i thought that was really really cool like yeah everything felt it didn't feel like just a big cg chase thing yeah even though most of it probably was it just it, everything felt very tactile you know they'd bump into stuff and you could kind of see it all breaking off and right and like you know that scene where they like both kind of glide in a circle i guess it's kind of like they're drifting it just all felt cool and different and unique like mm-hmm. like any good star wars action sequence i was like i want to play that in a video game now yeah <laughs> yeah it was so, so yeah so that was great and um he gets wedged in that spot which was kind of funny and then they they attempt their they're going through their like refugee camp thing i guess and he gets split up from his girl and that's when he joins World War One military. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So th- there's yeah there's the kerfuffle at the airport. They they get, he gets through the gate in order to to avoid like being caught. He decides to join the Empire, which I remember like early buzz. There was like a a faction of the Star Wars fandom, as there always is, that was like this is outrageous. Him being part of the Empire, and like apparently like this is always a thing that has been around. Like, I realize with the Disney buyout, these things aren't really in play anymore. Like, you know, the extended universe books and all that kind of crap. But apparently that was, like, the given. Like, yeah, that's his background. Was, like, he was in the Empire Academy for a little while. Like, that's always been, like, a thing about his character that people have just sort of known, if you will. Hmm. And so, like, that's apparently always been a part of it. And, um... From I don't know I I never read those books so I and I don't really care to. What did you think about uh, that being how he got his last name? I was I like to me he, here's this, I'm glad we talked about this because this is one thing I wanted to say that I thought this movie did very well. There was a couple moments like this where if anyone else was handling it and if it was in a different movie, they could be very very like eye rolly. But like the way the the scene was played and the actor even that like said solo that like um you know was at the control panel or whatever i thought they played even the cheesy moments really well i agree if that makes sense like it like again it's something where if you were to tell me that on paper i'd be like okay whatever that's exactly my reaction to it is like yeah if somebody were to tell me they thought that was cheesy i would be like I can totally see that. For some reason, it wasn't to me. Yeah, and maybe, like you said, it's the it's the acting or just the way it was directed. But it's just how they played the scene because because there was a couple moments like that where they would be like, "Ah, oh, remember this callback?" Like none of the callbacks felt like like it, I try to think like there's a scene in it's either Force Awakens or Rogue One. I I can't remember where they have like C three PO and R two D two. Yeah, I think it's Rogue One for some reason, and like. It's like this really like random, it feels like it was just this force like, hey, remember these guys type of thing. Right. And I I don't like those types of fan service moments, but I do like the ones that are sort of like, they don't feel like they're beating you over the head with it. And I felt like most of them in this movement. And there's also an element of, you know, it, it adds to his character a little bit. Like his last name is Solo, yeah. literally because he's kind of a loner. At this stage in his life. Yeah, and, like, it tells you about his... It, it, like, again, it, it tells you a lot about his background. Like, he doesn't have a family or anything or... Right. Anything like that. So, um, so yeah, that was that was cool. And then, then we enter uh, the Trench Warfare. Right. Which was a really cool segment. I actually... I re- loved that whole <laughs> I really section. liked it. <laughs> like, the whole... Like, this is, again, this is, is going to be a running refrain through this movie, but I was just, like, was grinning through the whole thing. Yeah. Like, this is just so cool, and it feels Star Wars-y in the sense that Star Wars is, like, fantastical elements blended with, you know, real wars, and it traditionally was always World War II, Mm -hmm. and since this is set sort of in the past relative to the original trilogy, it's like, oh, it kind of makes sense that this would be, kind of feel like World War I. Yeah. And just the, the fact that it's, like, a mud planet was kind of a perfect decision. And the helmets look like world war ii helmets but they like are shaped like the empire helmets which was kind of cool yeah just and then the kind of the chaos like that. that he lived in where he's just like where are we supposed to go we're supposed to get over the hill why because yeah. that's where the enemy is and that's where we need to, you know it just had this uh sort of chaotic you're in the middle of a battle where in a traditional star wars movie you'd be sort of at this upper layer where the jedi are and their strategy happening right so it was, it was sort of fun to just see the chaos of everything yeah and and so this is also the first point that you meet 
Woody Harrelson's character. Uh, I, f- I forget his name. Is it Deckett? Dockett? It is Beckett. Okay, Beckett. Yeah, so Beckett and um, like <laughs> the commander dies. And <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on kind of that whole crew. This is probably a good point to talk through that. So I was I was okay with it for the most part. I found the alien annoying. The um, the four armed alien. Oh really? See, I actually really liked him. He he felt to me like like a CGI dad joke. Maybe that's why I liked him. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not problematic, but he just seems like I don't know. I think it's because I've worked with people like that, and it's not necessarily like it's not like it's a person that in real life like like I would look down on or anything like that. It's just like it's someone that I don't think is funny, and they think they're hilarious. Ah, sort of thing. And that was sort of bugging me a little bit. Do you notice who is voicing him? I recognized the voice, but I couldn't place it. It was John Favreau. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize it until I was looking through the credits. Like there was there was one point I was like, that sounds like the Iron Man director. I can't think of what his name is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, okay. That that makes that makes total sense now. But yeah, so I, I don't get me wrong, like he's fine. Like I, he sure. wouldn't have just ruined. didn't necessarily work for you. Yeah, yeah. Um so I was fine with him. I actually really like uh Thandie Newton was which was the African American girl that was that was playing like uh uh Beckett's girlfriend or whatever. Ah, uh, yes. Val, I think was the character's name. So I was a little disappointed that they didn't yeah, they didn't really give her a lot to do. And that was frustrating. Yeah, I felt like she was the one that was most underutilized. I don't want to say she was flat or bad, because, like you said, yeah. it, it, she just didn't have a lot to do. She's really just a foil to, like, make Woody Harrelson's character feel a little more tragic. Yeah. And and this is this is one of those situations where, like, it kind of collides with another fandom because she's one of the main characters in Westworld. So I think a lot ah, of people okay. were like, oh, that would be great if she yeah, I can see that. was doing a lot. And then it was like, yeah, not much. <laughs> So, um, but no, yeah, I, I kind of was okay with that, with that crew. And then Woody Harrelson himself, how'd you feel about him? Uh, Beckett. Oh, I liked him. Like, I, 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 I liked that he was in it. To me, he wasn't one of those actors that, like, took me out of it like Del Toro did in The Last Jedi. Yeah, I totally agree. I expected him to, because oftentimes he does. Like, I like him as an actor, but he feels like he's that actor showing up in whatever movie he's in. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's jarring to me in, like, Hunger Games. Not that he's bad in it, right. but he's jarring. He all. feels like Woody Harrelson showed up. Exactly. And in here, and maybe it's because this was a pretty traditional Woody Harrelson type role. Like, I loved how much he was like a gunslinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they played into the Western side. Like, of it. I know it's cheesy, but it's also very Star Warsy that he like always flips his uh, flips his guns. And like the way he shoots is just very Western feeling. Right. Which plays into kind of the way this whole movie was constructed but yeah he especially i really really liked how they did that a lot of western like undertones to this oh yeah um and so he tries to bug woody harrelson to get into his crew a couple times after noticing like that they're not actually part of the military and they're pulling some sort of job to get the ship i'm assuming and uh woody harrelson like tells a commander that he's deserting and so han gets thrown down in the cage with the beast which we find out is chewbacca somehow i did not anticipate that that was going to be chewbacca i didn't like i either until i saw the hair and then i was like which is weird right because like obviously yeah it's going to be but somehow i was expect i think it's because it had so many nods to the uh not the sarlacc pit what's the name of the monster in return of the jedi rancor oh yeah i thought that too I was like, are they going to do this again? <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, it, it had so many nods to the Rancor that I was like, yeah. is this a Rancor? Is this going to be something like that? And then when Chewie showed up or they showed his hair or something, it was like, oh, yeah. So this is another example of one of those moments where I feel like in anybody else's hands, it could have been done very poorly. Like the whole like him speaking Wookiee. Like yes, it actually agreed. played very well in the movie where if you were to, again to tell me that any other time, like. Oh, there's this scene. I would have been like, oh, that's going to be cringy. But it but it wasn't. Like, it actually worked. I know. Like, they showed subtitles for him speaking Wookiee, which they've never done before. Right. And it's like, I don't know. And somehow it just, yeah, it just all worked. Yeah. Yeah. It, they, it, it played very well. It was like everybody in my theater was laughing, thought it was funny. And uh, it all it's also one of those things where it's like, yeah, I guess that makes sense, too, because how else does he understand them? So. Right. And, like, the, the way it sort of established early on, like, a bond between those two. Right. Like, they escaped a bad situation together. Right. The only thing that was sort of weird, which didn't I didn't think about during the movie, it wasn't until after, that I was like, 
Wait, so are we to believe that like Chewie was eating people? Oh, right. Yeah, like, I, I think so. Like, Wait a second. I think, I think <laughs> that's a little horrifying. I mean, I guess it's not you know not necessarily bad. It's just they always sort of hinted at his brutality, and the, they're like he could True. rip a, his arms off a gun dark or whatever. You know that whole thing, and which he did in yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I assume that was a gun dark or whatever. I'm I'm hoping it was. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah so he so Han gets him to like he notices like the the pole that's holding in the that's holding them up the like ceiling grates are right right and so he like tells him to fake a fight and that's how they get out and tells him that he has a team they go and run after the ship and the ship starts to take off and then they the four-armed john favreau talks him into uh taking them because letting him in yeah because chewbacca could be muscle for the job that they're pulling and then we get to the job which another western uh theme here is it's a train heist right which is fantastic right literally to the point where we have speeder bikes the equivalent of horses in this universe right like coming in alongside the train and (laughs) yeah like oh gosh it it was just great this is a good chance to also talk about the the music what did you think about the marauders theme i really loved it i loved it absolutely loved it it was it was different but still felt like it was part of the score yeah like I, i was explaining this to my wife earlier i was like because she was saying it was sort of jarring in the train scene, which I don't disagree with, where the kind of choir comes in at first. Yeah. But it sort of established that this is kind of their theme or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when it like layers in in that Mexican standoff on the beach later on. Yeah. Holy cow. That was like an incredible scene. Which yeah. for some reason that scene is on YouTube, like the whole scene. Really? You know, up until the point where she takes her helmet off. And mm-hmm. so I've watched it probably three or four times since then. Okay. And I'll link that in the show notes because it's just fun to watch. Yeah. But, uh. But it, it, I, I was telling her how like, duel. It reminded me of Duel of the Fates in the sense that if you were to listen to Duel of the Fates before you watched Episode One, you would have thought this is this is the least Star Warsy sound sounding thing ever, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't sound anything like Star Wars did prior to that, right? But somehow the that music, the way it was constructed or something, combined with what's happening on screen, instantly canonized that like sound into what feels like star wars to me right and that's what i felt like about the marauders theme yeah yeah it was great i i really liked it and honestly i loved the music overall in this movie yeah yeah it was good john so john williams did like the main han theme right which i thought was really good and then john powell who i had not heard of and when i looked him up all of his like previous compositions were like kids movies it looks like Mm. he's the one who did the actually scored this movie oh and i thought it was brilliant yeah because i noticed it was like a dual credit at the beginning yeah i i I really enjoy it and i I really like the whole bank heist scene and in this scene uh the train heist yeah yeah i'm sorry yeah the train heist because the train was really cool too like the whole like it turning on its side thing sort of gave it like a roller coastery feel and and the uh the stormtroopers had like the sort of metallic boot things right Right. Yeah, and and in this scene the four-armed Favreau gets shot and uh Thandy Newton also gets killed. Again, I don't remember her name. Uh Val. Yeah, and it ends up that like Han has to like get back on the ship that's that's supposed to pick up the train car and the marauders show up as well and they're both fighting and they have linked cables to the train car. They end up having to drop the train car uh or risk crashing into a cliff. And nobody gets it, and it and it blows up and de- decimates an entire mountain. And this is to show right. you the sort of force that the hyperfuel has, I guess. That was a cool explosion, too. Yeah, yeah, it was. And so that leads to they go, they they land with like half the team dead, and Woody Harrelson's character Beckett or Beckett, yeah, Beckett, Beckett is like yep. really upset because that was that was money that was supposed to go to paying off his debt so that he could like you know be free of all of his debts and um and basically says like you know what it's like to have a bounty on your head all this and that and we have to just go tell what's the bad guy's name uh vision it was dryden voss <laughs> yeah that's right dryden voss paul yeah. bettany yeah and so um who's the leader of the oh crap what was the name of that the crimson dawn crimson dawn yes he wasn't the lead leader of it he was like a faction in it like it well later we find out he's not the leader right, of it, right. but yeah He's sort of a gangster-ish person at the head of a faction of the Crimson Dawn. My, my understanding was on the politics in this, there's like 
heads of like gangs and he's one of them and those gangs make up crimson dawn and they all answer to a higher person which he mentions early on but doesn't say who it is obviously right so we go we visit the like uh it's not like a casino but it's like a they call it a yacht which was i thought was really cool (laughs) yes and it did feel like a yacht it was a really cool ship and a really cool feeling environment yeah and like this is one of those examples i was talking about where bradford young like really like blows out all the windows Mm -hmm. like almost none of these scenes can you see outside oh okay but it gives the inside like this really like interesting sort of atmosphere that i i really really liked yeah i and i i thought everything with dryden voss and the ship was really cool what, what did you think about dryden voss as a character you know he was one of the examples where i feel like you know i love paul bettany but it kind of felt like it was Paul Bettany. Maybe it's because we've seen him so much in like Marvel stuff lately. Yeah. But he didn't, it, it kind of took me out a little bit, which I don't think was his fault. I think it's just his face was a little too recognizable. Yeah. But as far as the character itself goes, I thought he felt menacing in the right way. He didn't feel like yeah, uh, this monster who just wants to kill everybody. He feels like the way a good gangster should feel, which is he will do whatever it takes if he thinks that you're going to give him like pose a risk to him, he's just going to kill you. And yeah, you know, like he's playing the game. Well, on, on, on one moment, he's like, how are you doing? I'm sorry to hear that. So-and-so died. And it's like, well, I guess there's nothing we can do here. Kill them. And yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was okay with him. Uh, I, I did like him and I, I liked the ship and everything. And so in, in this part of the movie, I mean, Woody Harrelson's character Beckett is trying to convince him to give them another chance to like, uh pay back the load or everything and uh this is also where we meet kira again yeah this was the only part that i felt was a bit fast-tracked yes i agree i mean it, i was okay with it because it's one of those deals where like we criticize that sort of storytelling now and i think back to like old star wars movies and when you actually sit and watch them things happen really quickly like the story moves so quick, like from scene to right. scene to scene. And so it was one of those deals where like in the context of star Wars, it didn't really bother me, but I can understand how someone being like, Oh, well, isn't that convenient? Like she's just here now. There's no, there's no like backstory. It's like the person you were looking for that you were trying to get back to this planet for is now working for this group. And right. And she's just here and shows up and taps you on the shoulder. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too, too much yeah but, it just it yeah. took me a couple minutes to like let my brain be okay with that right i agree yeah. i had the same feeling i was like is he dreaming like something doesn't feel right here yeah but you know i got over it pretty quickly and it wasn't a big deal yeah so she works for dryton voss this gangster and uh they all uh are in a room discussing how they can repay back this job so that they're not killed on the spot and they decide that they're going to go to do the kessel run <laughs> yes literally the kessel run um to get un- yeah which means that they would have to get unrefined uh hyperfuel and then hurry up and get out of there and get it to somewhere what was that called again it was it coaxium yeah coaxium is what they were calling it yeah. and uh and they had to get it to this uh like small unmonitored refinery. by the empire like refinery that was um that was close by and so that's sort of the plan and Dryton Voss tells um Kira that she's to go with them right for no other reason than she's a main character that we're going yeah. to have to like uh <laughs> yeah that felt a little uh yeah it's fine weird it, it, i mean he did say that 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 she was one of their like top lieutenants or something so it's it's sort of within reason that it's like yeah he might send a lieutenant with him to ensure the job's done or whatever but whatever so they so they all go and the first place that they go is they have to get a ship or or that that will be able to make the kessel run that quickly and so we go to some planet where we meet lando calrithian and what did what did you think of all this so I was ridiculously excited about this aspect of this movie because mm-hmm. I love Donald Glover and everything we've seen about him made him seem like he was perfect for Lando. Mm-hmm. And while I feel like he did a really good job with it, this is another example of like, I felt like I was watching Donald Glover do Lando Calrissian. Yes. If that makes any sense. So I feel like we're in the minority on this, but I actually agree with you on that. Like, again, it wasn't necessarily bad, but I also... I also sort of wondered how much of this is like we've seen him in so many other contexts. That's what that's I think the big thing. Because I feel like people like like my dad having no idea who Donald Glover was 
like like was completely happy with him as Lando. Like he was like, yeah, that was great. I feel like he had the mannerisms perfect. He had the swagger perfect. The speech down. The speech was the part that like felt forced. Yes, like, but I think it's because you would hear Donald Glover, aka Troy from Community, right, like peeking through, and that was a very jarring thing because Troy is like the opposite. Yeah, but but all in all, he he did a good job. Like I, I do feel like people that like early buzz was like oh donald glover steals the show i felt like that was a bit like an exaggeration like he's fine in the movie he's only in it yeah. for about a quarter of the movie and all his parts are great i i think alden ironrick to me felt like he did a better job but yes. that could also be because i don't i don't associate him the actor with anything else either yeah yeah it very well could be that other people that have seen him and other stuff have a similar response but i i have no idea so um, but no, Donald Glover did fine. I did. I like him as Lando. I'm I'm excited to see them. All of the scenes with Lando, like interacting with you know Han or Chewie or all that, that was just yeah. so great. Yeah, and so the, we initially meet him and they're at a poker table. Yeah, this is our Casino Royale moment. Yeah, and so Han says that he'll do it to try and get the ship, and uh, Lando ends up cheating and <laughs> by pulling a card out of his sleeve. That whole scene was great. Yeah, we it got really was. so many like aliens and weird looking things. And it was also just a fun, tense scene, right? Which I just really, really enjoy, like seeing Han sort of like play Lando and play him pretty like well in terms of convincing him to put his ship in. Mm-hmm. But then it still kind of goes south on him because Lando cheats. Like that all just felt right. Yeah, and yeah, the only thing that I thought was weird was I was like, so I guess I'm used to watching more darker stories like whether they're tv shows or whatever where like if you lose and get yourself in this sort of situation you're now going to be killed but it sort of felt like after lando cheated and uh it, it was click it was like quickly resolved and they hired him. yeah 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 <laughs> and, I, and i sort of was like oh thank god we don't have to go through some whole subplot about him owing yeah something. i agree it, yeah it was nice that that just kind of moved on. Yeah. And so uh, so they hire Lando uh, for 25%, which gets cut down to 20% with repairs to the ship. Now, this is also... Um, I was going to say the robot. Well, also the robot, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah. uh, another annoying little cameo was Ron Howard's brother showing up as like the... The battle bots. Ringmaster guy. Yeah. I didn't know that's who that was. <laughs> I He's one of those actors that just throws me out of everything that he shows up in yeah it just felt really weird i don't even know who he was but i felt the same way but the more interesting thing is the robot itself yeah so l3 what what was your take on this i really liked l3 i i was okay with her but i was also very annoyed at times in a c3po annoyed or like different kind of annoyed it was it was character on overload ah I can see that. Like, I felt like they were trying way too hard to make this a distinct robot character because they were like, hey, they did really good with K2SO and what's it called? And they're great with, like, you know, the traditional robots that people like. And I felt like this one was just, like, way over the top character. I was fine with it. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like, it wasn't It wasn't like, this is Jar Jar Binks. But I, I was fine with her. I thought she worked for me. It felt like she was a fun, similar droid type that they gave her a totally new different personality so like we keep getting new fun droids um i didn't feel like she was that over the top especially because in my head i was comparing her to uh what's the like droid waitress in uh the clone wars you know what i'm talking about oh um, like hey honey i'll i'll oh, find a clip yeah. and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes that okay. to me is the most annoying droid yeah. uh <laughs> but I thought I thought she was really fun, and I liked the sort of thread of uh, her like caring about droid rights, equal yeah. rights, the whole time, <laughs> right? And the fact that that played into that whole outbreak at the end, I thought that was I thought that was really fun. Yeah, and yeah, she was fine. And someone pointed out that that's the same uh, actress from Game of Thrones that plays Captain Phasma, and maybe oh, interesting. <laughs> so I'm sure there's a fan theory out there whole, already that yeah. that robot is Captain Phasma, or something. Yeah, probably. Now this is jumping ahead. <laughs> in the plot a little bit but what did you think about her being sort of injected into the millennium falcon that didn't bother me i was okay with that at first i sort of had a like wait what like how would that not have come into play in the later movies like that seems really weird yeah but uh then i remembered and looked it up and lando's like how's my girl (laughs) well there's that oh that's a good point oh wow that is a good point i never thought of that but also c-3po in empire strikes back Mm-hmm. whenever he interfaces with the ship he always talks about the ship as if it's like 
talking back. Oh, And yeah. at one point, he even has a line that says, like, Sir, I don't know where your ship learned to communicate, but it has the most peculiar dialect. Oh, yeah. And at a different point, it, like, calls the ship rude. And so the ship does, like, have a personality in the originals. Yeah. So it actually kind of makes sense, and it'll be kind of fun to rewatch through the originals with that sort of in mind. Yeah, it, it didn't bother me, because... At the very like least, it was a rationale for we need the 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 mapping system right put into like and that's so, what makes the Millennium Falcon so fast quote unquote yeah yeah so um so yeah I I that didn't that didn't really bother me at all so yeah so they get the Millennium Falcon they get to the Maelstrom which I guess is quote the quote unquote Kessel Run which I like how they translate so you know years of Star Wars fandom always joking about like parsecs are a unit of measure not a unit of time yeah they 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 completely like it, I mean obviously it's a retcon but they explained it fine in this yeah so I thought that was cool yeah it is a measure of distance and uh he was saying that he made it in a shorter amount of distance than what was typically required I also liked how they already established Han Solo as like sort of embellishing the facts a little bit Right. <laughs> when he was like, well, well if you round, you round it down. the right way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they so they go to Planet Kessel, which is in the middle of this like space maelstrom, as they call it. And there's this path that they have to follow these lights through to get to the planet. Um, so they get down to the planet. And it's, you know, it's a typical heist. Like everybody has like little jobs. They're acting as if they're letting them see these slaves to take yeah. over. Classic Star Wars. These are prisoners. Yeah, they take over the guards in the elevator. They take over the guards in the control room. The robot, like, starts a mini revolution by accident. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, and then just, like, really lays into it while Han Solo and Chewie get the... Um, Fuel. The, the Yeah, the coax... The what? The, what, what was it? Coaxial. Coaxium. Well, yeah, the unrefined uh, hyperfuel. And uh, so they're all getting that ship. You know, big, th- big fight, shooting fight breaks out, which is a lot of fun to watch. I loved Lando and Han at the doors of the Millennium Falcon in their, like ridiculous poses from the originals the way that they shoot and the way that they're totally exposed (laughs) but i just i loved all of that i was just like laughing the whole time yeah there was a lot of really cool stuff there and and of course uh chewbacca meets uh discount store (laughs) yeah that was that was a little rough but it almost felt right yeah (laughs) because i was thinking like i mean they're doing that all over the place they're trying to keep like the original star wars looking creatures in it like what they would have done in the 70s and 80s so yeah, it was just sort of funny because I was like, oh, this is the ugly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the ugly Wookiee. <laughs> but uh, it looks more like a Bigfoot <laughs> costume. Yes. Uh, but anyways, so <laughs> no, I'll tell you what it looked like. It looked like like the Harriet and the Hendersons or Harry and the Hendersons. You know, that old like I, I know the name, but I don't family comedy movie with like the ridiculous looking Bigfoot. Oh, is that what that was called? I, it's something like that interesting yeah uh, i know what you're talking about though uh, <laughs> so uh so yeah so they get it and they get it on the ship but not before l3 gets like severely shot and so they bring her back on the ship and uh you know she's she dies or whatever quote unquote and lando is distraught and he gets shot too which is what leads to han and at first kira uh, being the ones that are piloting the Millennium Falcon for the right. first time. Yeah, and so uh, and so they, they decide that they need to get out of there, and so they're escaping, and a Star Destroyer shows up, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it looked really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there was a part of me that was kind of happy, too, that they just immediately avoided it, and we didn't get, like, the same type of Star Destroyer-y battles that we get it's like right pretty quickly it just became an asteroid run which did you notice they like layered in the uh musical cues from empire where they're going through the asteroid fields yeah i didn't realize that yeah because it it had a lot of that you know the tie fighters chasing him and he's a better pilot so they're crashing that kind of stuff yeah so han decides that he's gonna make the kessel run in a quicker mode and go not through the normal path but go through the maelstrom which is extremely dangerous and there's debris and creatures and stuff in there so they chase slash shoot their way out as tie fighters are after them all while this is going on you know like they're they've now put l3s navigation system into the ship and she's now part of the ship we also see uh, a couple of the modifications to the millennium falcon happen here Mm -hmm. uh, that turn it from the like new version to the version that we're used to he like uh, bumps into an asteroid and knocks off that like square dish 
right at the top, which then gets replaced with the circular dish, right? I don't, or right. I got those flipped. I'm not sure. And then he also ejects that escape pod that was on the front, right? Exactly. As part of his way to lure the big monster into the what they strategically did not call a black hole. They called it a gravity well, which I enjoyed. Yeah, it just feels Star Warsy to like give sciency names slightly less sciency names, <laughs> right? Yeah, and so yeah, big space octopus like tries to attack them they circle into the gravity wells like you said to, to get the thing in there and uh in order to get out they use a drop of the coax coaxium which was a funny moment like where they're like trying to get out and then like the ship like like but like bursts up for a yeah. second and then just dies <laughs> like everyone in my theater like both times started cracking up they thought it was really funny <laughs> and it made that classic like you know yeah. the sound that you're so used to the millennium falcon failing and making that sound <laughs> And so, uh, and then it bursts back in, and they get out, and they land on the refinery yes, planet. Yes, in our western beach planet, which yeah, I right. loved. <laughs> yeah, and so they get, like, the coaxium and stuff out. They're going to wait there for Dryden Voss to show up. Um, and they go inside to the bar when they find out that the Marauders have shown up. Right. And so you have that whole scene that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, that amazing, like, just the, the cinematography was so awesome. I love the, like tilted beach so that everybody's standing with that same like pose with one knee kind of up you know yeah and we get the shot of him like loosening the uh holster on his blaster yeah and uh and then there's the like he bluffs and says like he can call 30 men out to surround them and lando immediately (laughs) takes off on the ship which was really funny and then we see the reveal of uh the Infist Nest. The Marauders. Infist Nest? Oh, yeah. Is that the name of the group or is that the name of the girl? I don't don't know. I thought it was the name of the group. I did too, but something I saw later made me think it was the girl. But either way, I thought that was great. One, I thought they were, their costuming was really cool just beforehand. Yeah, they they reminded me a lot of like a a type of like elites from like Halo. Oh yeah, kind of. I can see that. In a way. Not not exactly. I'm just saying like the armor type was similar. Yeah, it was just a cool, unique, kind of samurai-ish yeah uh looking armor and then the reveal of who they actually were was i thought really great yeah warwick davis got his face in yeah, i noticed that yeah one of the star wars movies that was i cool. think he may have gotten his face in in one or two before too i think he was in like a pod racer scene in the background in oh okay. episode one or something gotcha. but yeah yeah it was kind of nice to see him yeah normally he's just like all dressed up right he's usually got a mask makeup. on and he's yeah. some alien or something right. yeah yeah so w- what did you think of the reveal of that the, the, I I actually was okay. I really with it, liked and it, and I I really liked I liked the whole subplot of like they're not actually bad people. They're trying to get this stuff because their planets were, you know, ravaged by the Empire, and they're trying. I guess they're a part of. They're like a little faction in the rebellion, is what it sounded like. It it sounded more like it was a one of the many seeds that would grow into the rebellion. Right. Like they were a faction that eventually would join on because like like we even see in uh, Rogue One, the rebellion's made up of all these different groups right that their main feeling is that they don't like the empire and so this feels like it's sort of the seed of one of those groups yeah yeah and i i like that the only thing i'll say is like i felt like the girl she was a fine actor and everything but she felt a little too young to maybe be the head of that outfit but i'm not really good at telling age at this point like with yeah for some reason it worked for me i don't know yeah it 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 wasn't it wasn't it wasn't bad or anything. I just was like, she seems a little young, but it was fine. But yeah, I, I liked all that. And so uh, Han Solo, they do the stereotypical like like Beckett's leaving and Han Solo's like, wait, I got a plan. Cut scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very Oceans-like. Yes, that's exactly what I thought of. And uh, it turned out that there was a little bit of an Oceans-type uh, play out of it. Yes, which I enjoyed. I think a lot of people may be annoyed by this, but I kind of liked this. It was also very Western, too. Like, the double yeah, cross, Yeah, it did cross, feel like double, a Western. Yeah, like, triple cross. Like, there's a big standoff going to happen, and, like, how are we going to deal with this? And then they don't quite fully reveal it to you. Yeah. So, so Beckett goes off, and then they, uh, him and Kira are taking the coaxium, or, or, well, now the refined, like, hyperfuel to Dryton Voss, who's land his, his ship there. And they go up to meet with him, and, like, Dryton Voss is like, go ahead and show it to me. And, like... In which I thought he was great in that scene. I really liked Paul Bettany in that whole scene. Yeah, I thought he was awesome. Yeah, yeah. 
he, he's, he's like, oh, I would very much like to see it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, uh, so he hands it to him. You know, he's like, how did you get it to actually look like this? Like, because he thinks it's fake and all that. Because that was part of the plan that he was told. And then it's like, um, it's revealed that uh, Beckett. Right. Like, tattled on him and was like his inside man. And so Beckett comes in and pulls out a gun. Which, okay, so the first time through it, I was trying to, th- like, afterwards, I was trying to think of like, does all of this work as a plan? I think like, it made sense. Yeah, it did after I thought about it. Because at first I was like, but why would why would Dryden Voss let Beckett have a gun? Because that was the only, you know, could you rely on him to double? You know, all these sorts of things. But then whenever I watch it the second time, it's like, oh, it makes sense. Because Beckett would have been told by Han that there was a gun under the lid. Because he immediately says, like, check the lid for a right. gun. And so it makes sense that Dryden Voss would have let Beckett come in with a gun in his hand. Um, and so like all the motivations were there. There was, there was obviously, and they, they did say this, like there was a, there was an ounce that might not have worked there. Well, the big thing was it really relied on Beckett double crossing him. Yeah. There was a way where it could have gone a couple different directions and still something could have happened, but which is, I guess what, yeah, that, that, that's what I was trying to think through. Like, is this really the only option? But yeah, so it, it did make sense. And so they they also say that they have taken care of the marauders on the beach which is then revealed that he had anticipated that didn't tell beckett that part of the plan and so they while they're trying to um you know take capture of the marauders they've surrounded them and taken over his uh dryden voss's guard and then that's when so beckett takes off with he he tells wookie or wookie he tells chewy like you know i guess forces them at gunpoint to take the coaxial with him which I thought was it was again a very justifiable reason for getting Chewbacca out yes, of the room. <laughs> right. And then we get a a little battle with Han and what's his name? Dryden Voss. Yeah. And then that kind of, you know, Han is about to get killed and then that's or no, no. Han actually gets the upper hand and then that's when Kira like turns on Han. Yeah. And sort of reveals yeah. that she's <laughs> like, you know, actually power hungry and didn't care as much about him as like, you know, we all thought or whatever. Well, that doesn't happen till later. All, all, all she does is she turns on him, which I think he, he didn't expect either, but she does it as, as a, as an opportunity to allow Dryden Voss to get in close to her so that she can then kill right. Dryden Voss, which she does. Um, and so she fights, she sword fights with Dryden Voss for a minute, ends up killing him. Um, Han, and she tells Han, I'll meet back up with you. Yeah. I'll meet back up with you. But then you find out she did all this as a play for power to move up the ranks. Now be the new head of this faction, which I actually like that part. Oh yes. It's the next part that I'm curious of your opinion. <laughs> I, okay. So I assume what you're talking about then is the, she makes a call to the head boss and the head boss is none other yeah. than horrible CG Darth, Darth Maul. Maul. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. I didn't think it was CG. I thought it was just an old person. Uh, I could be wrong. It looked really, really CG to me, but maybe I'm wrong. I just thought it was an older actor. It could be. I think it's the same actor, which is know. older, obviously. Um, yeah. But I, th- I think he did mocap. I, I don't actually know that. It just looking at it, it looked because because keep in mind, episode one was was twenty right. years ago. I yeah, but there was just something that looked off about him. But anyway, it, ignoring that. Okay. So I have. I feel like in our in our previous podcast, I have made very clear my feelings towards Star Wars doing the comic booky thing mm-hmm. where everything has every character has to be connected to every other character somehow, and the boss of an organization can't just be a new character that you learn about. It has to be mm-hmm. you know this person that we all know about if you've read these thirty other books and stuff. And I feel like this was right. the epitome of that in the most obnoxious way to me because unless you are familiar with the cartoons tv shows that have been out Mm -hmm. then the last time you saw darth maul he got cut in half like 40 years ago right in this timeline yeah so like why in the world would you suddenly see him here and also him doing like lighting his lightsaber up just to be like hey remember i have this dual bladed lightsaber Mm -hmm. that was obnoxious too it's like why did that make any sense while he's on a phone call like (laughs) I agree with that part of it. Um, I will say, like, I understand your opinion, and I kind of thought that you would feel that way about it. Um, I get the feeling that if they do other movies where he's, like, kind of the back person behind things. I really, really hope that that's not a thing. It will. 
I mean, that's what's going to happen. So it's going to be like Darth Maul is behind all of this stuff and all these other movies, too? No, no, no. I'm saying like in this series, like if they do a series of Han Solo movies, ah. I imagine he's the one behind like the gangs. Because that was the impression I got of the politics of the gangs was there was these different factions that worked for a head. So I don't really think that they're going to make a sequel. I, they certainly could. Right. Oh, I feel like they would. I don't get the impression that that's going to happen, especially not with, I mean, this is opening mm. weekend already, or still, but it sounds like it's not doing super well uh, in the box office. I've I've heard that, but I don't, I don't understand because like my, my monitoring of the situation was pre-sales were like through the roof. So they adjusted and raised their, their expectations to like 150. And then they were like, oh, wait, no, that's not going to happen. And so then they lowered them back down. And when they lowered them back down, then people started reporting as if, like, oh, their original expectations that were there all along have now been lowered and it's not performing oh, well. I, I Which, don't know. To me, it was sort of a reversal of something that they got overzealous on based on pre-sale tickets. Because they actually raised it about two weeks ago. They were like, oh, I think this will earn a lot more than 120 or 130, whatever the prediction was and they were like let's raise it to 150 and then they were like oh no that's not going to (laughs) happen and then people well either way i I don't um you know we don't know yet because it's still opening weekend as we record well we'll we'll, yeah we'll know we'll know tomorrow whether it did well or not i i would imagine it it does fine uh, but my theater was packed and like you know buying tickets was hard so right it seemed like it was pretty uh yeah both of my show times were pretty full and um yeah, again, like the pre-ticket sales, I realize like pre-ticket sales, I, I don't know, typically they are a pretty reliable determinant of how the movie's going to do for the weekend, but um, I mean, we'll see. Like they were like record-breaking, so. So I, based on my like little bit of reading before this, I, I didn't read any reviews or anything like normal, but I kind of poked around in the uh, subreddit and it seems like I'm definitely in the minority on the disliking of Darth Maul being the guy in charge here yeah people loved it like there was a there was there was gasps in my theater showing see mine there was gasps and maybe this is just my gasp but it was more of a like what why i think i think you're the only one though like everyone is so 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 you gave your reasons let me give my reasons why i was okay with this so my reasons why i was okay with this is because you know that i am on the record as always having been said that one of my biggest problems with the original trilogy, even though I liked, sorry, not the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, um, was that uh, even though I like those movies and will defend them to some degree, um, like I was aggravated that every movie felt like it was just an explosion of ideas thrown at the board. It's amazing. And like, here's, here's the new character for this one. And it's like, it is great, but it's also like, like one thing that the original series and now the new series uh, of of the sequels have is that there's a thread of common character arcs throughout it. And I always thought um, Darth Maul is this awesome character that I would like to see more of, and then was just boom done within the first movie. But he's an awesome looking character, which is why him dying was I feel like good. He didn't have a personality or a soul. I understand that, but there's a large amount of people that wanted more of him and wanted a character yeah, arc. Yeah. Like, I honestly thought it would have been uh, really cool to have had him be... Like, for instance, like you didn't necessarily need Count Dooku. You didn't. I definitely agree with that. He was he was pretty boring. You, well, right, but but when I, but that's what I'm saying. Like you didn't you didn't necessarily need him or Grievous. But like Grievous was great. Darth Maul could yes. I'm again. I'm not saying he's not cool, but what I'm saying is is Darth Maul. But you wouldn't have gotten him if everything was Darth Maul. I understand <laughs> that, but you're looking at this retroactively. I'm exactly. saying that like it would have been fine if he was the main. It would have meant more for the finale if he would like. For instance, if the opening of Revenge of the Sith was that whole scene with Dooku, but you replace that with Darth Maul, that would have been a much more shocking moment because no one cares like, oh, they're going to count Dooku. This guy that was randomly at the end of the last second movie is now being executed in the first one. It was a little shocking, but not as much as it would have been. We're like, here's the bad guy that's been here for two movies. We're now four years later. Here's the finale. And right out in the open, they're like, oh, this guy means nothing to me. Like that would have meant more. I feel like. And, 
I've always wanted more out of him precisely because he had no lines in the first movie. He had some lines. He spoke a couple times. <laughs> yeah. A couple. He, he spoke a couple <laughs> times. Right. Um, but anyways, so <laughs> did you get sufficient character? Arc he wasn't a character lines? to me. He was a like a creature or something, if that makes sense. But, I, but that's the thing is to a lot of other people, myself included, I wanted sure. him to be a more fleshed out character. I I understand. Like Star Wars is a thing for just like a lot of cool looking stuff to throw out there. And I do like that about it. But sometimes I feel like there's certain characters I want more from that don't get it. And Boba Fett is always the classic example of that. Yeah. And I'm more okay with that with Boba Fett because the thing with Darth Maul that is frustrating about this is like, if you're just going by the movies, this is the most bizarre reveal, right? Because it's like, the guy who we know died, right? He got cut in half. But but that's what I'm saying is it's like I feel like this is a setup for a sequel so that people go, what? Like you did. Yeah, but ignoring the sequel, like I want movies to be good movies on their own. And if you're just watching this, it's like, what the heck is he doing here? Yeah, but they're also building cliffhangers so that you'll see the next yeah, movie. I guess. And so that will be explained in the next movie. It is serialized. That's the, whether the Marvel way. Because that's the thing is... It, well, it's I, I it's going to be at least serialized within this this whatever they're doing with Han Solo because they've said they've wanted to make more. So I assume that's what that was for. Oh, I haven't heard that. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, well, that was I think um I don't know where I heard that specifically. I think it was in a podcast with John Cassidy in an interview. They were saying that. Gotcha. But I think because he was saying, "Well, we'll see how this movie does first and like it's something that they've been like planning. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm. I'm. I, I was okay with that. You weren't. It's not a big deal. It's not a deal breaker. Yeah. It's. It's not a big deal. It was just like a a big moment. And unfortunately, it's all anybody's talking about, which is a thing that for me was frustrating. So yeah. I think that's why I feel that way because it's just a random moment. It doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get the Han Solo uh, Beckett sort of showdown on the beach at the very end. There, Han catches up to him on the beach. Yeah. And. I thought this moment was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was really well done. And they even alluded to, you know, they're always doing the, like, who shot first sort of exactly inferences. And he's like, I'm going to teach you. The, Beckett's like, I'm going to teach you the first lesson of whatever. And then Han yeah, shoots it. They spend all this time yeah. confirming George Lucas's, like, mindset on Solo, which is that he's like a wannabe smuggler, but he's good at heart. Right. But then they still give the fans what they want by saying, he's got heart. But he's not afraid to shoot first. And I, I just thought that was right. That was just a really, really cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was sort of like it was well done because like Woody Harrelson's a great actor. He really like did good with his character in this movie. Yeah. I thought he sold it really, really well. Yeah. So like he's willing good, to double cross him. But then he was also sort of proud of him that he like. Right. Uh, he got the best of him. Like, I, yeah, I just I thought that was a great whole moment. Yeah, absolutely. And then we end on. Uh, what felt like just a really nice little uh, palate cleanser of fan service, which is yeah. Han Solo officially winning the Millennium Falcon from Lando by yeah taking cheating him out of his cheating, <laughs> right? And, yeah, and that that was a great scene. The whole like, yeah, it was when awesome. they first show up and act like they're gonna kill him and yeah yeah they like they uh, it's really like a well. callback to when he first meets him in Empire and he looks mad right. and then he kind of hugs him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, so yeah, overall, like, and here's the thing, like, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of end our thing with the movie. Like, I mean, we'll give our ratings, but the thing, the biggest thing that I've heard from almost everyone I've talked to that's seen this so far is people that have actually seen it have all been like, wow, that was a lot better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Like even, even my dad. So to me personally, like my dad is the litmus test with Star Wars because he's always been like a huge original trilogy fan, you know, like saw, I think empire in theaters, you know, stuff like that. And so he's sort of the one that I go to for like, is this okay? Like for star Wars fandom. And he's actually on board with like, he's so excited that they're coming out with new stuff. Right. And he's, he's pretty much been okay with everything so far, even though there's been some things here and there that he didn't like, but yeah, he, he, he was one of the ones that was like, yeah, I was really surprised with it. And he's one of the ones that also was like, he likes the, the prequels too like he's okay with them and so um he was kind of interested in the darth maul thing and he really liked the movie and he was like yeah that was a lot better than i was thinking it was going to be because he was one of the ones that was worried about like someone else playing harrison ford type of thing so yeah that's good to hear yeah. maybe it'll get some good word of mouth uh growth 
yeah I, after the weekend yeah i feel like it has it's also like just in a weird spot because it's the weekend after deadpool 2 which was just enormous and got all kinds of money and it's still while avengers infinity wars in theaters but i think overall disney doesn't care because they kind of have have a hand in every single one of those pockets. Right. Well, so. except for Deadpool, but yeah. <laughs> I thought Deadpool was their thing now, was it? It's 20th Century Fox, which they yeah. do not own yet. Oh, okay, gotcha. I thought they did. No, Comcast is now seeing if they can get it instead. Oh, that's right. That's right. We talked about that. Um, so yeah, overall, like I actually was very happy with it. Uh, if we were to do the Rotten Tomatoes score, um, I'd probably give it like a, I don't know, seven, seven, seven point five out of ten. Something like that. So or, well, I guess that's not Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 70, 75%, something like that. I I think I'm in the vast minority on this. But for some reason, this movie just ridiculously worked for me. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to see it again to see if my feelings change or if this is just the like proximity effect. But I would put this at like 90%. Oh, wow. I can't believe that's higher than me. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this more than Rogue One. And mm-hmm. especially on the first viewing, I enjoyed this more than The Last Jedi. The thing it has going for it is there's really no dull moments. It really right. is like from start to finish, like thing after thing after thing. I think The Last Jedi is a better film. And like upon further thinking about it, I liked it more. And I think mm-hmm. in the long run, I might like that more. But in terms of like pure popcorn, like just grinning from ear to ear fun, this is my yeah. favorite, I think, of all the new ones, except for maybe The Force Awakens, but that has the effect of Star Wars is back that kind of added to it. Mm-hmm. But there was just, this movie just really, really worked for me in a way that I definitely was not expecting. Yeah, and and I, I like, like, again, like for something that could have just felt like a big fan fiction type of movie, it really felt like it's just part of the star wars universe like it, it fit in every really well and and for people that that like say like i didn't ask for this movie that's that's fine you don't ha- really have to count it if you don't want to right right like, you don't have to see it you don't have to count it doesn't mean you're it doesn't mean you're wrong in your opinion just like yeah that's fine but i i can definitely see why a lot of people would want this movie and it was a lot of fun like i i don't feel like it ruined anything yeah like it, definitely it, agree. it held up very well to the rest of the star wars stuff and um it uh, the biggest thing for me was it didn't have any moments in it where i felt like i would be bored rewatching, because like like you said like rogue one or or even some of the main ones like there, there's parts in it that i get kind of bored with and it's like oh this scene again like you gotta right gotta trudge through 10 minutes of this but this ne- this never felt like that it feels like like even watching it the second time it was just effortlessly fun somehow yeah 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 agreed all right well uh I guess that's about it. Yeah. So if you have any thoughts, um, please, please, please let us know. Uh, you can contact us in all sorts of places. The best way to find out where to contact us is go to the website, uh, atownmovies.com. And if you go to the about section, all of our social media stuff will be there. For now, uh, you can contact us on Reddit at atownfm and on Facebook at atownfm. Yep. And then we do have a separate Twitter for this show which is A-Town Movies FM. But you could also tweet us at A-Town FM as well. And if you're new to us in general, we do have a sister podcast called A-Town. A-Town FM. That's right. Yes, I'm sorry. And so you can, you, and that's sort of a podcast where we listen, where we talk about just sort of a stream of conscious about all kinds of stuff. Um, it used to be, in, it used to do a lot with movies and stuff as well, which is why we sort of made the separate one. But it's it's about like all kinds of stuff. So if you like this and you think you might want to give the other one a try as well, and you're new to it, uh, feel free to subscribe and give us a review for this or that one. Yes, and this is like the first. Uh, this is the first episode we're going to release, and this is the first mm-hmm. like week of our show. So please, 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 if you like this or you like any of our other shows that uh, we have put on this feed, all of our other movies from our old show are on this feed, mm-hmm. please leave us a review on either iTunes or on Podchaser if you don't have an iPhone, which I'll include a link in the show notes too, because that's going to really help us out getting started here. So thank you for doing that. All right.
Well, uh, I guess that's about it for Star Wars, a solo story. <laughs> um, the last solo. Um, I don't remember what it's called. 